And it is Jesus that makes today truly glorious. Welcome to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church. Today we look at Romans chapter 7, verses 1 to 6, to see that all believers are disengaged from the law. Do-it-yourself righteousness and do-it-yourself Christian living are not God's will for the disengaged believer. The dead are free from the law. And now, with this message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. So we're going to start in chapter 7 today with the sermon on the fact of sanctification. The fact. And the fact of sanctification is found in Romans 7, 1 to 6. The big idea of this sermon this morning is this. Believers are disengaged from the law. Believers are disengaged from the law. That's the big idea. Believers are disengaged from the law. I'm going to read verses 1 to 6 of Romans 7. Follow in your Bibles, please. Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives? For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ that you might be joined to another to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. So did you hear it? We have been disengaged from the law. You and I as born again Christians have died to the law by being justified with Christ in his death. Remember, this is Christ. This is you. The moment you trusted Jesus for salvation, the Holy Spirit baptized you into Christ so that everything that happened to Jesus has happened to you. Jesus was crucified, the old you was crucified to the law and to yourself. Jesus was buried, the old you was buried. Jesus was raised to newness of life. You've been raised to newness of life. Christ's life is your life. We have been disengaged from the law as believers, and we have died to the law by being identified with Christ in his death. And that ought to be a big relief. A big relief. We don't have to perform in order to be kept on the payroll of heaven. Do-it-yourself righteousness is no longer our driving principle or our way of living. When I waited tables in Dallas, Texas during seminary with Beth at the same restaurant, the thing that you dreaded most was when you sat a young family with a child in a high chair. That I didn't dread. 
But when I saw they had a totally hands-off approach to that child in that high chair, you couldn't pay me enough tip to want to do that. Pablum everywhere, mashed potatoes on the floor, spilled drinks. They let a child do do-it-yourself eating when the child wasn't prepared or able to do do-it-herself eating. The Christian life that we do by ourselves, do-it-yourself Christianity, is equally messy. And God never intended any of us to live do-it-yourself Christian lives. And so because we've been disengaged from the law and born-again believers, we've died to the law by being identified with Christ in his death, we have relief. We don't have to perform in order to be kept on the payroll of heaven. We don't have to perform in order to be loved by God. And do-it-yourself righteousness, thankfully, is no longer our driving principle. And we've stepped away from being religious. When someone says, are you religious? I say, not at all. God delivered me from being religious. I'm not working my way to God's approval. God has come to me in Christ and said, you can be approved through Jesus. I'm not religious. If you're here this morning and you think that doing something good is going to gain you heaven, you're wrong. It's not by deeds of righteousness, which we have done, that we're saved. In fact, Isaiah says our own deeds of righteousness are like filthy rags to God. The way a person is made right with God is to say, I can't be right with you except you do it. The way a person is made right with God is to say, I can't cover my own sins by good efforts and good works. I have to have the blood of Christ cover my sins. We are not religious people. We are people in a saving, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me point out a little more here in verses 1 to 6. Four things. I want to show you four things in verses 1 to 6 very quickly. A principle, an illustration, an application, and an explanation. In these first six verses of chapter 7, there's a principle, there is an illustration, there is an application, and there is an explanation. Let's get after it. Verses 1 to 6 again. Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives? For the married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he is living, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she is to be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might be joined to another, to him who, has, who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now, a great word is but as a contrastive in all of Scripture, something brand new, 180 degree turn. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit and not in oldness of the letter. So, what's the principle? It's in verse 1. Here's the principle the principle is that the dead are freed from the law. The dead are freed 
from the law. It's not, not what verse 1 says. Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives? The dead are freed from the law. I want you to imagine this, that a driver is speeding recklessly westbound on the JFK highway. And a police officer detects this, flashes the police car's lights to pull him over for a big dollar speeding ticket. The reckless motorist decides to try to outrun the police. He speeds up to an incredibly dangerous speed, and then at the last minute, the fleeing driver pulls off the road and totally loses control of his car. It rolls over several times, and it bursts into flames. And the driver is killed. The policeman approaches the burning wreckage. He knows that the driver could not have possibly survived. And he pulls the body of the driver out of the burning car, and clearly the man is dead. This very sad fact means that the policeman doesn't go ahead and write up the speeding ticket and pin it to the dead man's clothes. The dead are freed from the law. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and this is another edition of Youth Talk, and we're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago as we considered a call to holiness. And we consider how Jesus impacted the culture and how Jesus is praying on behalf of his disciples. He recognizes that he is now going to be leaving them, but he's praying because he understands that as he leaves them, they need to impact the culture. They need to impact the world. And he recognizes that they do not need to be pulled out of the world or or be in a place by themselves, but they need to be there and impact, and he's praying for their protection. And we left off at verse 15, but we want to pick up at verse 16, and it says this, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Again, this is, is a, a passage or, or people always you know, say this in a roundabout way, but this is what it's saying. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You see, we need to understand that as we are in this world, we should not be of this world. We should not be following the patterns of this world. We should not be following after our own desires, our own flesh, our own lusts, whatever it may be. In fact, Timothy talks about us being flee youthful lusts, flee youthful desires, because this is what the world is throwing at us. And verse 17 is very clear. It says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Again, as Jesus is talking to his disciples He's telling them that you need to be sanctified. You need to be set apart. You need to be different from the world. And the only way you're going to be different from this world is by the truth, by the word of God. The question comes this morning as as you are listening to this is, how much of the word of God do you know? And when I say no, I'm talking about really no, because I think too many times we think that the word of God says this and we make up our own moral rules Sometimes that we think the word of God says, but really that verse is not in the Bible. Because I think sometimes we just go by morals instead of what the word of God says. And the word of God is God's holy word. And it's supposed to be cherished. It's supposed to be something that we understand that makes an impact in our lives. 
Verse 18 says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Here, Jesus is again saying, I am sending the disciples. I am sending my disciples to preach the gospel, to tell the world about you. And I need you to protect them. I need you to be with them. But they need to understand that they need to know the word of God. I think too many times in our own churches, as we think about in this country, I think that we know so much about the Bible because a lot of us that grew up in Sunday school, we have heard the gospel message. And I think sometimes it doesn't really make an impact because I think that we think that, you know, once I'm saved, I have my fire insurance. I'm okay. But the reality is, is that we're not just talking about a fire insurance. We're talking about really being set apart for the word of God and for God himself. We need to understand that the word of God is the washing of us. It's the only thing that can purify us because I think that we need to understand as we fill our minds with so much junk that the culture is thrown at us, if we're not filling it with the word of God, then we are going to fall very quickly. And Jesus understands that about his disciples. He knows that they have walked with him. They have seen him do so much. But yet, now he is leaving them. He's getting ready to be betrayed. He's getting ready to face the cross, to die for our sins. Verse 19 says, I sanctify myself for them. So that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Again, Jesus set the example. He set the example for how they should live. He set the example for them to recognize that he's not just telling them what to do, but he's showing them. He showed them through his life. He showed them what it means to even eat with sinners and not give in to temptation. You see, Jesus set the example for all of us. Jesus set the example for all of us in in the culture and the world that we live in to recognize that just because we live in this world doesn't mean we have to follow the patterns of this world, but he has called us out of this world. He has called us to live a life of holiness, to be sanctified. And he's also showed us how to live. And he has left his word for us to show us how to live. And to just close this morning as we consider one verse from the book of Psalms. It says this, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Psalms 119, 105 again says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You see, we need to understand that God's word shows us it's a lamp. It shows us how we are to live. It shows us where are we to go. It's the path to our life. You see, we live in a world where... If you're anything like me, when we think of instructions or directions, wherever it may be, it's the last thing that we go to. When, we, when all else fails, then you get the instructions. But when we consider God's word, we should go to God's word first for instruction and to show us how we are to live. Because it is the lamp. It is the guide for us. It shows us everything. It reveals everything in our lives for us. You know, which, which for me personally, I have been challenged lately to Understand that even as Psalm 119, 11 says, I need to treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. You see, we need to recognize that God's word is a treasure for us. And I want to ask you this morning, as you consider this, what is it that you treasure? If you love something, if you treasure something, what are you going to do? You're going to do your best to hold on to it. You're going to do your best to do what you can to, to bring honor to that person. So what about God's word? 
Do you treasure God's word? Do you understand that God's word shows us how we are to live, how we are to, to be a light in this world? It's our guide. It's our instruction. And it shows us how we are not to sin against God. Again, I think that as we consider Jesus and culture, we need to recognize that Jesus never told any of us to just stay away from it. But he told us to make an impact for it. He told us to go out and reach the world with the gospel of Christ. And I would challenge you this morning, as you consider this word, as you consider this series that we've been talking about, ask yourself that question. How can I impact the culture around me? How can I impact people? How can I impact my family? How can I impact those people on the school team that I'm with? Because I think that for us, we need to understand that wherever God has you, you can make a difference. It's time now for today's personal God story. Well, I'm pleased this morning to have in the radio studio my friend and my brother in Christ, Duet Simonette. Good morning, Duet. Good morning, Pastor Good to have you with us. Uh, you are a tall, slim, strong man who happens to be wearing uh, trousers that are uh, marked with plaster and, and other construction <laughs> dust, and your shoes show that you've been on a construction site. And as I understand it, God has given you the responsibility to be a supervisor at a construction site. Yes. And may I ask you how old you are, brother? <laughs> uh, oh, I'll be coming, I'll be, I'll be coming, I'll be 84. 84. 5th of May. I'll tell you something. I need to see your birth certificate to prove that because you don't look that. You look yeah. like you're in your 60s, and yeah, I'm serious. Let me see if I can find something. Like, well, <laughs> but all that to say that God brought you through all those childhood oh, illnesses. Yeah. Yes, God brought you through all the deprivation yes. and the uh, alienation and the scrounging to yes. even eat from 13 years old, and God has brought you through. And here you are, beautifully married uh, man, uh, a hard-working 84-year-old in construction. A smart worker. Uh, you, yeah, you say you work smarter than harder. I don't wake up. Wake <laughs> Get tired when you wake up. Well, we all could do that. But uh, with a joyful heart, you come with Sally, your wife, to our church, and, and you're, you're the joy of the Lord is your strength. You worship Him in spirit and in truth with tears coming down your eyes many times. And you've told me what a joy it is to be able to have a little bit of money in your wallet to give to the Lord. Um, What a privilege you see that as being. Listeners, if you have your own church, uh, that's great. But if you'd come and visit Calvary Bible Church to meet DeWitt and Sally Simonet, you would be blessed to visit us. If you don't have a church, you're in Nessa, come and be with us. Plug into our church family because we've got you, people you like them. Nice. You can make with me, That's All right, here I am. He's handed me his birth certificate, listeners. I was blessed. Oh, that's a driver's license. Excuse me. May 5th, 1936. Yeah, the, the math adds up there. Brother DeWitt, thank you very much for telling us your story all to the glory of God. And I was thinking of Ephesians chapter 1 as you were recounting God's goodness to you and his faithfulness and how he's made you to be a different man than you could have been without him. And this is what I read in Ephesians 1 verse 3 and following. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth. These are verses that seem to me to right over your life experience. Uh, and I just thank you so much for your candor and your uh, recounting of what has happened to you and how God has been your everything oh yes, yeah. in all that has happened to you. And still is. And he still is beautiful. Yes. Let's pray together. Yes. Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your excellencies, your goodnesses, your kindnesses and your grace. We thank you for DeWitt being here with us on the radio, telling a bit of his story and causing us to worship you, to thank you and to obey you and to serve you. Thank you that DeWitt's being centered on Christ was not something in his crises of the past only but it is his central focus in the sunset years of his life at 84. Mm. Lord, thank you that you have never changed, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. And thank you in the same way that you have made Brother DeWitt uh, an exhibit of your faithfulness and goodness, that you are oh. doing that on this island and in this world yes. time and time and time and time again. Oh, God, may we who know Christ as Lord and Savior never complain, never fear, never hold a grudge of unforgiveness. But, Lord, may we walk in the way of the Word, in the power of the Spirit, for the glory of the Son, for the saving of lost people, and for the building up of precious saints. Thank you for this time together. Bless Brother DeWitt and his wife, Sister Sally. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake alone. Amen. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Lania's excellent book, 
Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. This question comes from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5, and I'll read the verse. But every woman who has her head covered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head, for if she... Start that one over again. I'll start that one over again. The next question comes from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5, which reads, But every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head, for she is one and the same with those whose head is shaved. Question, did Paul teach that women should wear head coverings when they pray? According to Jewish custom, a bride went bareheaded until her marriage as a symbol of her freedom. When she married, she wore a veil as a sign that she was under the authority of her husband. It is quite probable that both Jewish women and respectable Greek women of the first century wore such head coverings in public. But there were women in Corinth who were not wearing the traditional covering. See 1 Corinthians 11, verses 5 and 6. Paul responds by explaining the need for the woman's head to be covered when she participates in public ministry of praying or prophesying, verse 5. Building his case on certain facts from creation, verses 7 through 9, the presence of angels, verse 10, and the pattern in nature, verses 14 and 15, Paul concludes that the woman ought, verse 10, to cover her head in situations of ministry where role relationships appear to be confused or reversed. Paul concludes by affirming that this practice is universal among the churches of God. See verse 16. Paul clearly supports the practice of women covering their heads when participating in public ministry of praying or prophesying. The question most people have is whether or not this first century custom is binding on believers today. While the answer to this question is debated, it is significant that Paul argues his case not from culture, but from theological and biblical truths. Whatever you conclude regarding this debated subject, it's important to remember that God gives priority to the attitude of the heart over external ritual. It's possible for a woman to wear a head covering while not having an attitude of submission. This would violate the spirit of Paul's teaching while keeping it to the letter. You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to the service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior.